Welcome to worship at Calvary in the chapel. We're so glad that you are here with us today, either in person or online. And you know, one of the ways that we grow in faith is through living generously. I think it's something that every one of us can grow in each day of our life to reflect the generosity of God in how we live. And so one of the ways we can put that into practice is through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And so we always pause for a moment in our worship services to do that, to give back to God, to invest into his Mission. And so if you brought a gift that you'd like to give to Jesus today, you can do so by dropping it on the way out of the, out of the chapel. You can mail it into the church. You can give online. And as always, we are so grateful for your partnership and for your generosity. So we are in the middle of a series on the book of Nehemiah, which is found in the Old Testament. And a little reminder, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And it was a position that had a lot of privilege and a lot of honor and a lot of influence. A number of decades before that, the Israelites had been taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And eventually the Babylonians were overthrown by the Persians. Now Nehemiah is in this position Well, eventually, King Cyrus, the king of Persia, allowed some of the Israelites to return to their homeland, kind of in waves. And at this point, many of them had returned, and then Nehemiah got a report that the country, and specifically the capital city of Jerusalem, was still in shambles, that things had not been rebuilt And it was a disgrace, it was a dishonor. The people felt hopeless and they felt like they were in despair and it broke Nehemiah's heart. And so Nehemiah had a vision, a God-given vision, that he would go and lead the rebuilding of the temple walls and the rebuilding of the city gates. And so that became his focus. And you know, in much the same way, you and I are called to help rebuild the brokenness that we see all around us. Each one of us is called by God to do something extraordinary. And you know, when you look around at our world and our community and maybe even our own homes and in our relationships, there is so much brokenness. But God is calling you and I to step up and to rebuild into that brokenness because he created you on purpose for a purpose. Now, when we start living into and we live out our God-given mission and vision, the reality is we're gonna have opposition. And we saw that last week in chapters four and five of Nehemiah. But today, what we are gonna see is that when the enemy can't destroy you, he will try to distract you. And so as we pick up the story, all of the usual suspects are still present. There's a guy named Sanballat, there's another named Tobiah, another named Geshem, and they're getting desperate because the wall around Jerusalem, that whole project that Nehemiah has undertaken is almost finished. And all of the efforts that they have made to try to somehow interrupt or to end that construction are failing. And so 
they make some desperate measures. They decide that they now are going to attack Nehemiah, but they're going to attack him personally. Now, I think anyone who has built something, anyone who has built something that is lasting and impactful, the reason they're able to do that is because they stay laser focused on the vision. Anyone who has built a strong and healthy marriage, anyone who has raised faithful children, anyone who has discovered and lived out their God-given purpose, anyone who has stepped up to rebuild the broken systems and the broken walls of society, all of these people, I think, would tell us that they had gone through many times of trial and opposition and struggle, and that they also have had to face numerous distractions. And so in Nehemiah's story, we see that things have been going really, really well up to this point. They had been making so much progress together. But have you ever noticed this before? That distractions often come when things are going well. It's when everything is coming together that suddenly all of this opposition and all of these distractions seem to pick up. You see, Nehemiah is just days away from seeing his vision realized. The rebuild is almost complete. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And he says, I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet doors in the gates. So basically, they've done everything except hang the doors. They're almost done. But it's such a dangerous part of the project because the end is in sight. The people are tired and they're worn out. The fun, the novelty is long gone. And so it's one of the easiest times for them to get distracted. Now, maybe you can relate to this. You know, I sometimes, not very often, but sometimes try to do some home improvement projects. They have to be very, very easy. But, you know, I might figure out what I'm going to do. I go to Home Depot like 16 times and get all of the supplies. And then I go and I watch YouTube video after YouTube video to make sure I know what I'm doing. And I start the project and it might even be going pretty well. Maybe it's painting some rooms or trying to fix something. But suddenly, there's some distractions. You know, there's a game on TV. There's friends to go meet. There's something else to do. There's a nap to take. And it's so easy to all get to the end and then get distracted from what you're focusing on. Well, Nehemiah's enemies, they regroup together and then they launch one more attempt to kill Nehemiah's vision. And to do so, they try to distract him in three specific ways. Let's look at chapter, er, chapter 6, starting with verse 2. It says, So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized that they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time 
I gave the same reply. You see, the first distraction that Nehemiah has to deal with is the distraction of other opportunities. Now, from our vantage point, being able to read the whole story, we can see pretty clearly that Nehemiah get him. Sanballat and Geshem knew that if they could just lure Nehemiah outside of Jerusalem to this little plain called Ono, it's about 20 miles out of town, that they could easily ambush him and kill him. And there's a bonus tip for us there, I think, that we need to make note of. That is, don't ever meet your enemies in a place called Ono, right? Well, this invitation might have been appealing to Nehemiah if he thought, you know, I can go show my enemies who's boss. I can go gloat a little bit. I can go rub it in their face. Maybe, you know, I can go talk some sense into them. Or maybe he thought, you know, this is an opportunity for me to build my brand and to build my influence. You know, I can go on a speaking tour. I can film a documentary. But you know what? The truth is, Other opportunities can easily and often distract us from our main mission. For instance, people all the time have great ideas and great opportunities for the church. You know, we should start this class, or we should have this group, or we should go on this trip, or we should start another nonprofit. And most of these things in and of themselves are not bad things, but opportunities, even good ones, can easily distract us from the core vision and mission that God has given us. Now, individually, every single day, we are faced with countless opportunities, probably more than ever before in history. We have more options for entertainment and for travel and for business and for investing. And while there's an upside to having lots of opportunities and lots of choices, they can also be harmful to us. You know, one of the biggest distractions that most of us face every day is something we carry with us in our pockets or our purses, and that's our cell phones, right? It's so easy to be distracted with all that our phones can bring to us. And while they keep us connected, it's easy for them to knock us off our focus on our God-given vision. We get really good at doing all sorts of things that don't really matter in the long run. I want you to take a look at a picture that I saw a couple weeks ago. There was a woman who somehow drove her car into a lake which would be, you know, quite traumatic in and of itself. But as she was being rescued, someone took a picture of her because she had to take a selfie before she could be rescued. Talk about a distraction. So Nehemiah's enemies, they asked Nehemiah to stop building and to come and meet with them. But Nehemiah keeps on building. You see, Nehemiah is more than willing to say no. And for some of us, it's really hard, really hard for us to say no to other opportunities because we want to be helpful and we want to be people pleasers. But Nehemiah is asked four times to go and do this and four times he simply says no. 
Now, sometimes we might want to, you know, try to figure out how to not be so harsh. And so we, you know, we say maybe when we really mean no. But we need to remember in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus told us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Even Jesus himself had to say no occasionally, especially when it was other opportunities that would knock him off his mission. Remember, there's no end to the good things that you can do. But God is calling you to focus on your unique calling and your unique purpose that he has given to you. Well, after these first four attempts of distracting Nehemiah and prying him away from his project, his enemies then tried another form of distraction. And that second distraction is criticism. Let's pick up the story in verse five. It says, then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building a wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. Now facing criticism is definitely not something new for Nehemiah, but this is the first time that they made it so personal. Now, in those days, letters were often written on papyrus or on leather, and they would be rolled up, and they would be tied with a string, and then they would be sealed with some clay. But in verse 5, we find out this letter was a little bit different because it says specifically it was unsealed. You see, Sanballat, the writer, wanted everyone to know what was in the letter, he wanted everyone to read the contents. It was like, you know, an uh, ancient form of Facebook. He wanted to post it on social media for everyone to read. And his goal was to spread false rumors about Nehemiah. Now, of course, these rumors were completely false, but the thing is, rumors often lead to a perception, and perception can become reality. So these rumors and this criticism had the potential to be a huge distraction to Nehemiah and his vision. Now something I've learned in almost 20 years of church ministry is that there is a lot of criticism in the church, especially when things are going well. It seems like then when people are coming to faith and people are growing in faith, it seems like then the criticism amps up. You know, I've seen this happen many times in the churches that I've served. We start to gain ground. We start to reach more people. We start to focus outward and fulfill our God-given mission. And suddenly there is more and more opposition. There's anonymous letters that are sent and there's social media posts that are all over the place. And often people use their favorite phrase, which is, everyone is saying, or everyone thinks. And then we ask, well, who's everyone? And it's like two or three people. 
Well, once during a season like that in another church that I served, I was getting really discouraged. I was thinking like, do I need to respond? Do I need to stand up on Sunday and address this? You know, there were so many things that were going great. We were reaching new people. There were new faces every week. And so I talked to a mentor of mine who said this phrase. He said, you know you're over the target when you start taking on enemy fire. Right? You're not over the target. When you're not over the target, you're not going to face as much opposition. Satan doesn't really care about churches that aren't fulfilling their mission. But when you're over the target, when you're doing what God calls you to do, you're going to face opposition. Pastor Craig Groeschel puts it pretty bluntly. He says, you will never do big things if you are distracted by small-minded people. He also says, don't let someone else's opinion of you disrupt God's calling of you. When God has given you a vision and he's given you a calling and a purpose, don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what is true about you. And that's precisely what Nehemiah did. Look at his response in verse eight. It says, I replied, There is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. He doesn't make a huge deal about it. He doesn't try to escalate the situation. The rumor that they're trying to spread is that Nehemiah is angling to become the king. And Nehemiah's simple response is, nope, it's not what I'm doing. It's not true. Let's get back to work. Instead of letting the criticism get under his skin, Nehemiah became even more determined to fulfill his vision. Look at verse 9. It says, they were, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Nehemiah stayed focused on the vision. He kept on working and he kept on leading. Now, nothing attracts critics like a strong and clear vision or a passion for what God has called you to do. If you set out to build a strong marriage or to raise faithful children, if you set out to help overcome injustices, or if you set out to lead with integrity and honor, you will attract questions and you're gonna attract critics and gossip and rumors. Someone is gonna assume the worst about you. Someone's going to misunderstand your intentions. Someone's going to talk behind your back and question your motives. But don't let critics distract you from God's vision. Don't get caught up in the game of trying to argue and respond and escalate and rationalize. No, instead, bring your thoughts and your feelings directly to God himself and then get back to work. And the very best way to silence your critics is to see the vision through to completion. When your vision becomes a reality, critics have nothing left to criticize because the results are obvious. In verse 16, It says, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, 
They were frightened and they were humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Once they completed the project, Nehemiah's enemies lost their confidence. There wasn't anything left to criticize. And so church, don't let criticism distract you or bring you down. Take it to God. Let him lead and guide you forward with confidence and with strength. Well, Nehemiah faced one more distraction, and it's something that we will also face in our lives, especially if we live a life of vision and mission, and that is the distraction of fear. Look at verse 10. It says, later I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. When Nehemiah's enemies couldn't distract him with other opportunities and with criticism, they tried to scare him. They tried to use fear. Shemaiah tried to act like Nehemiah's friend saying, hey, I've got some top secret intel for you. Your enemies have a bounty on your head. They're gonna come for you tonight. You should be afraid. So let's go hide and lock ourselves in the temple. It's gotta be the safest place around. But Nehemiah immediately sees through their scheme because he knew that this would be a violation of God's law. No one was allowed into the holy space of the temple, especially with the doors closed. This would not only offend God, but it would also hamper his ability to lead his people. It would dishonor his position. But, you know, fear can be such an effective distraction. We can start to imagine all the worst-case scenarios. I mean, most of the time, we don't want to experience pain or suffering or heartbreak, right? When we're living out God's vision, maybe others will come and they'll try to point out all the dangers and the risks and the pitfalls. And there's people that are going to try to come and get you to analyze the cost-benefit but there's a phrase that's repeated over and over throughout scripture, especially to people who are living lives of vision and lives of purpose. And it's this simple phrase, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because I am with you, says the Lord. And so Nehemiah did not give in to fear. He was willing to be strong and to be courageous. Look at verse 11. It says, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. 
So basically, Nehemiah says, I'm not going to go try and hide. I'm not going to abuse my power. I'm not going to dishonor God's law. This isn't about me. I'm not trying to build my name. This is not my project. I'm building God's wall. So as you live your life for God, and as you live out your calling that he's given to you, don't get distracted. Don't let other opportunities, don't let criticism, don't let fear distract you or derail you. Keep your eyes focused on the finish line and know that Jesus is with you every step of the way. And so as we close out our time together this morning, I want you to think about a vision that God has given to you. A vision for your family, or for your career, for your finances, for your marriage. Maybe it's a passion that he's given to you. Maybe it's a mission that he's put in front of you. And think about these questions. What is keeping you from living that life of vision and purpose? What are the other opportunities? What are the criticisms? What is the fear that's distracting you? What distractions are keeping you from seeing God's vision come true in your life? You know, perhaps today you need to name your biggest distraction. And then when it rises up like it often will do, Maybe you need to say right along with Nehemiah in verse three, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm not coming down. I'm not giving up. I'm not gonna take my eyes off the prize. I'm gonna do what is most important and purposeful and meaningful with God's help. Well, then look at verses 14 and 15. Nehemiah finally says, remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sanballat have done. And remember Noadiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. In only 52 days, Nehemiah's vision was realized and completed. And the amazing thing about this is that it didn't take a miracle. There's no burning bush. There's no sea that is parted. There's no army of angels that come down from heaven in Home Depot aprons with sledgehammers and wheelbarrows and help with the construction. No, it's not a miraculous thing. It's simply an ordinary man who embraced God's vision and made an extraordinary impact. God does amazing things through ordinary people like you and me and Nehemiah. So we're called to do the same thing. Resist distractions. Keep your eyes on the vision and trust God each and every day. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift and the truth of your word. 
We thank you for the story of Nehemiah to inspire us, to motivate us, and to teach us. God, you know that when we live for you, when we try to live out your vision, we face opposition in this world. And part of that opposition is many, many, many distractions. And so God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to follow closely to you each and every day. To know that you've given us a purpose, even though there's so many other opportunities. Help us to ignore criticism and to not give in to fear, but instead to trust in you. And God, as a church, help us to stay united in your mission to lead other people and lead all people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Help us to find creative ways to do that each and every day so that we can help build your kingdom on earth. And so God, we trust all these things to your care in the powerful name of Jesus. And let's all say together, amen.